Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Healthy Mama Hacks. Today we are jumping into a brand new series and this one was one that was pretty highly requested last year, but I decided to hold off on this series until it made a little bit more sense in terms of the weather for many of us here in the Northeast or the Midwest or the Pacific Northwest, you know, anywhere that is not Florida and is not I'm just kidding. There's lots of other places in the world that are warmer in the winter months. However, it is pretty darn cold for us November through March-ish. And so I didn't want to talk about an outdoor activity too much as it was still very cold and snow on the ground. So I am excited in early spring to dive in to what I'm calling the Mother Runner series. So I have been running for over 17 years. I started when I was 15. I was in black belt training and one of the requirements was that we had to run a full mile in under 12 minutes. It took me several months to get to that point, but after that, I was kind of hooked on running, and I ran my first 10-miler the next year, and that is when my journey with endurance running began. So I have a whole episode on my running journey that I will link in the show notes if you're more curious about that, if you're curious about my journey to kind of finding balance with running and balance in movement, I will also link that episode down below, but I am a runner through and through. I love everything about running, mostly running outside. I will run on a treadmill from time to time, but I don't even own a gym membership right now. I literally just use the Peloton bike at my kiddo's preschool. And other than that, I work out at home or I run outside. So I am talking pretty specifically about 
outdoor running. And I got a lot of questions from you on how to start running or how to get back into running, essentially how to become a runner. And where I am not an expert in any way, I'm not a running coach. I am a former personal trainer and group fitness instructor. So I do have a background in exercise. And I also have a certification in exercise nutrition. So I do have a background in this. However, when it comes to running, this is really just me coming from my own personal experience. So little disclaimer here, please consult with your doctor before starting any new activities. Make sure that it is safe and good for you to do that. I can't tell you that. Only your doctor can tell you that. And with anything, listen to your body. Again, you know your body better than anyone does. So when you go about this, if you want to start getting into running or you want to start improving your running, whether that is running longer, running faster, maybe you want to do your first race, whether it's a fun run, a couch to 5K, or a half marathon, whatever it might be, I just want to share with you some of my advice and my best tips. So we're going to spend the next five episodes together talking about running, which obviously I am so excited about. So in today's episode, I am going to give you 10 tips to start running from a seasoned runner. And that seasoned runner being me. I have been running pretty much every single year since I started running 17 plus years ago. And so what I want to share with you is a little bit of how I started running and how I've helped friends in the past sort of get into running as well if they want to. If you have gotten this far and you're still like, should I turn this episode off? I'm not sure. I don't really want to run. If you don't want to become a runner, that's okay. But if this is something that you have a desire to do, but you're just not quite sure where to start, this is the episode for you. So tip number one on how to start running is probably not surprising, but it's to start small. This is exactly how I learned how to run a full mile without stopping in under 12 minutes. And I used the 4-1 technique. And I'm going to need to look this up to tell you exactly. I probably should have beforehand, but to to tell you exactly who came up with this. But essentially, I followed this very simple training plan. I'm sure there's something simple, similar that they do in like those couch to 5K plans. There's a lot of those online, and that is also a great idea if there's a plan that you can follow that is a slow buildup. But essentially what I did was I learned how to run a full mile by walking for four minutes and running or jogging at that time for one minute. This isn't walking for four and sprinting for one. It is running or jogging at a comfortable pace that you can breathe and you can talk through. Because if you are going to walk for and then sprint run, you're never going to sprint one, I mean, you're never going to get to the point where you're running that full mile at a pace that's comfortable and be able to build upon that. So it's important here that you remember that running is actually pretty hard on your body. It's a fantastic cardio exercise, but it's also pretty hard on your joints and it does take time for your body to get used to the sort of impact that running puts on your bones, on your joints, on your body. And so when you get into it, it's fantastic, but it is going to take some time and you're probably going to be a little bit sore (laughs) after you run the first time, even if it's just for a minute. So this is how I started. And by the way, if you try this out and you can't jog that full minute, that's okay. Jog as long as you can, take a break, and four minutes later, try it again. 
it will take time. So from there, once I got down that four, one, walk, run, then I moved on to three, two. So walk three, run two, and then two, three. So walk two minutes, run three minutes. And then eventually I was at the point of walking one minute, running four minutes. And then at that point, I was able to build up to running about five minutes at a time, would take a little bit of a break, and then run another five minutes. And eventually, I was able to combine those breaks, and I was able to go longer and longer in between needing a break to walk. And eventually, I got to the point where I could not only just run one mile without stopping, I could run several miles without stopping. All that being said, it is never a bad thing to stop if you need to because those breaks are going to allow your body to recharge, especially in the beginning. This is not scientific terms, but it's going to allow your body to sort of recharge and reset so that you're able to go further. So start small. Maybe it's a couch to 5k. Maybe it is the 4-1 to 1-4. Whatever it is, start small. It's okay to start small. Starting small is what is going to help you to run further and further. Tip number two, don't start out too fast. Okay, I already sort of mentioned this when I talked about not walking for and then sprinting one, but this is true in any type of running. If you're running in a race, if you're going out for a 5k run, whatever it is, if you start out too fast, you will burn out fast. So don't start out too fast. Don't try and run a mile in 10 minutes the first time you've ever run a mile. Don't even don't even try to run a mile the first time if that's if you haven't been working up to it. I think the best thing that you can do is just start running. And just focus on moving. So moving as long as you can. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter if you're walking, right? Like walk jogging. Focus on moving. The more you focus on moving, the more you can build upon that. It's important to run at a conversational pace, whatever that is for you. So if you can have a conversation, you might be a little bit breathless, but you want to be able to have a conversation without becoming totally winded. Learning to run at a conversational pace is what is going to help you to start to build that endurance. So don't start out too fast. Just focus on moving and run at a conversational pace, whatever that means for you. Actually, another kind of half tip here, it's really fun to start running with somebody else who's at the same level as you or somebody who is willing to run at your pace because you can have an actual conversation as you're running. And this can help to not only distract you and maybe encourage you to go a little further than you would otherwise, but also keep you at that conversational pace so you're not starting out too fast. So little side tip there. Tip number three, pace over speed. A pace runner is a runner who can run farther. Now, if you're somebody who just wants to kind of get back into running or improve your running you and you've done a race before, you've probably experienced the adrenaline that comes with starting a race. And oftentimes, we start out a little bit faster than we might want. And if we don't get to our pace quickly, we can burn out faster, which is why I talked in tip number two about not starting out too fast. Don't worry about what your pace is, okay? It could be a 20-minute mile, right, which is basically 
walking. That's okay. The point here is to keep steady. Okay, this is why running at a conversational pace is a great tip to start out because if you can still have a conversation, you're still staying within a similar pace. You might slow down over time, but the goal is to keep steady. Endurance builds speed. The further you can go, the faster you'll be able to go at shorter distances. So focus on pace over speed, on keeping steady, right? That just just keep swimming. <laughs> just focus on moving. So working on your pace versus your speed, whatever your pace might be, especially when you're starting out. So it's okay if you have a pace goal, but just kind of figure out what your pace is, what a conversational pace is for you to do the maximum amount you can do to start. Maybe that's a half a mile, maybe it's a mile, whatever that pace is, say it is that 12-minute mile, right? Say, okay, I can do a half of a mile in about six minutes. So I'm at about a 12-minute mile. Maybe focus on, okay, how can I run that full mile? And if you're half if you're only doing a half a mile and your pace is six minutes, likely you're gonna be a little bit when you when you do work on running that full mile, you are likely gonna be a little bit slower than you think. It's, it doesn't just double every time, especially in the beginning. So just wanted to to put that out there. However, eventually it's like, okay, I would like to get to that 12 minute mile. And then I want to see if I can do two miles at that 12 minute pace. And it's, it's, it's going to be, it's never going to be exact, right? Sometimes it will be, which is fun. But most of the time it's going to vary within a few seconds. But if it's varying like 30 seconds to a minute every mile, you might need to focus on slowing down a little bit and keeping that pace. Something that can be helpful to keep pace is finding music that helps you to keep to the pace. If you like listening to music when you run, uh, helping finding music to help you keep to the pace that you want to keep to. Um, and that's that's kind of trial and error. You can look up, you know, beats per minute for different songs and average speed if you want to. But for me, it's just sort of finding, depending on what kind of run I want to do, if I want to do a speed run, I go for music that's more upbeat. If I want to go for a relaxed run, I'll go for more relaxing music. So it's totally up to you. A lot of it's trial and error, but that can help you to keep your pace without going too crazy or buying an expensive running watch or anything like that. Tip number four is to set small goals. Okay, do you see a theme here? We're starting small. We're not going too fast. We're focusing on pace over speed, and we are setting small goals. An example is being able to run one mile with or without stopping, just being able to run one mile. Then maybe it's running one mile without stopping, and then maybe it's a mile and a half, right? Whatever that might be, set something small. If you are already running and you're like, okay, I really want to start working towards something a little bit longer. Maybe you want to run a 10K or a 10 miler or a half marathon and you've only ever run three or four miles. Maybe your small goal is to work up to five miles or maybe what I think is an even better goal is to maybe work up to that five miles and then see how you can best stay on pace 
for those five miles and then start adding miles after that. So small goals. What is a small goal based on where you're at? I would suggest no more than a few miles or a pace, like one specific pace goal, small goal. And then set a larger goal, set one longer term goal. So maybe it's your first 5K, maybe it's your first half marathon. The point here is focusing on that smaller goal gives you something to focus on in the moment, but you can look forward to that bigger goal. But you're not starting out not being able to run a full mile without stopping and going, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do a half marathon in eight weeks. That's just not realistic. It is realistic to focus on running that mile and go, you know what? I would love to run a 5K sometime this summer. So maybe you have several months to get to that point. Maybe you can't run a mile now. I can guarantee you can do a 5K in three months. It is just, you know, obviously health conditions not included. Make sure, again, talk to your doctor, make sure it's safe to do that. But if you can, even if you're even if you're not able to run right now, may, there might be stopping, but you'll be able to do that if you stay consistent focusing on those small goals. So focusing on running that one mile without stopping, whatever pace it might be, then focus on running two, then focus on running three, right? And then, you know, all you've got to do is point one and you've gotten to that 5k right consistency is what makes you a runner okay and you know what let me take that back consistency is what will make you a long-term runner going out for a run even if it's just once a week maybe it's not even once a week maybe it's once every two weeks makes you a runner If you enjoy running, if you want to enjoy running, if you are working on learning how to run, then you are a runner. But consistency is what will make you a runner long term. That's why setting those small goals and just increasing those goals as you go is really important. But then having that longer term goal, usually a few months to maybe six months ahead, will give you something to kind of look forward to, but you're not running at that long term goal no pun intended, or maybe it was, you are focusing on one mile at a time, which is my mantra. For those of you who don't know, if you follow me on Instagram, I started sharing my marathon journey last year. I wasn't sure if anyone would be interested in me sharing about that. Same thing with the podcast. I was like, you know what, I'll just kind of do an episode recapping my marathon. And it was one of my most popular episodes last year. It was in the top 15. I was like, wow, okay, people actually want to hear about this, or at least maybe my demographic wants to hear about this. So I'm excited to share more about this with all of you. But one of the things that I come back to over and over again is just one mile at a time. That's how I ran a marathon. I just started tacking on. Once I once I was able to tackle five miles, I worked on tackling six. Once I was able to do six miles, I worked on seven. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always comfortable. Sometimes I was way slower than I wanted to be. Sometimes my pace was way off, but that's okay. It was all about one mile at a time. Tip number five is to give yourself breaks in between running so you don't end up with injuries. Okay, guilty of this many times in the past. Okay, my hand is raised. If you are excited about getting back into running, about starting running, about some sort of goal you have, it's very easy. And I 
will be honest, literally this exact week, I went for a five mile run on Sunday. And then on Monday, I was like, I want to go out for a run. It's beautiful out today. But my legs were kind of sore from my first five miler of the year. And I was like, you know, let's go for a walk instead. So I went for a two mile walk, really easy breezy pace with my seven year old. It was wonderful. We went and got a coffee. We strolled back. There were some hills in there. So I still moved my body and I got the fresh air, but I gave my body a little bit of a break. Now that's not a full rest day. That's an active rest day for sure. A two mile walk is not nothing, but giving yourself rest in between running so you don't end up with shin splints or some sort of other injury. Things I've heard of people going out for two runs and having like hair fractures because they go out too fast and they try and run like two days in a row and their bodies aren't ready for that. In the beginning, give yourself significant breaks. So even just two, maybe three days a week in the beginning is going to be enough, even if you're just running a mile, right? Or maybe less than that. Giving yourself a break, listen to your body. If you're sore, okay, and you're not at like the end of training for a marathon or something like that, give yourself a little break. Give your body a little break. Do some cross training that doesn't feel crazy stressful. Like don't do plyometrics. Don't jump around if your body is sore from running. But if you want to learn how to run consistently, you want to build your endurance, you want to build your speed, you need to give your body time to rebuild. Because remember, when you are sore, this is because you have micro tears in your muscles and you need to, and there's inflammation, right? So you need to allow your body that time to start rebuilding before you go out on another run. So there is no shame in breaks. I typically, in the beginning of getting back into running each year, because I take a break over the winter time, because I am, like I said, a fair weather runner, I typically give myself a day break in between runs over three miles. That's for me, a two-time marathoner. I still usually give myself a day's break in between runs, even three mile runs. Sometimes I'm feeling really good and energized and I want to do a couple of runs in a row, but it's never more than like three miles, maybe four, two days in a row. For the most part, if it's any longer than that, I give myself at least a day break in between. And then eventually I'm able to run a few days in a row, but I always give myself at least one full rest day a week. That means nothing but maybe like a light stroll with the family. Nothing more than that, because it's important to give our bodies that rest time. Tip number six actually kind of goes along with tip number five, and that is to run when you feel the most energized. So I love running first thing in the morning. I will run in the afternoon if that's what my schedule allows, but I don't love it, honestly. And running in the evening, mm -mm, not not for me. I am super energized first thing in the morning. I'm a morning person through and through. If you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I am a morning person. I love my mornings. So I like running pretty much first thing in the morning. I will have some sort of, I will drink my water. I will drink my coffee or mud water. And I, which is a coffee, it's a tea coffee replacement for those of you who don't know. Uh, Very small amount of caffeine in both of those because I drink half calf or more like three quarter calf. And then I will have usually a small snack if I'm going for anything longer than three miles. I usually have a small snack and then I go out for my run. That is usually my routine in the morning when I'm running in the mornings. These days I'm running a little bit later morning because it is still quite dark first thing in the morning, but I still feel the most energized before like 10 a.m. 
My husband, on the other hand, he's not a runner. He is a cyclist, but he does not like running before 10 a.m. He will run anytime after 10 a.m. He'll go for a two and a half hour ride, 10 to 1230, have lunch, move on with his day, or he will do an afternoon run. He'll do like two to four. He not run, sorry, cycle. ride. He does not run for two and a half hours ever. Um, And I really run for two and a half hours only if I'm training for a marathon. Uh, So sorry to clarify there, he will go out for a long ride, sometimes late morning, sometimes afternoon. But for me, I like running before 10 a.m. as much as possible. So it's really up to you and your energy levels. So try out a few different times and see what feels best for you. Focus on running when you feel the most energized. And a side note, one of the best tips given to me by Dr. Heather Rhodes, who is like the queen hormone expert. (laughs) She's been on the podcast twice to talk about hormones. We created a hormone, a happy hormone cookbook together. One of the best pieces of advice she gave me for running with PCOS, because I do have a hormonal imbalance. It is in remission right now. I don't have any symptoms from that hormonal imbalance. However, is to focus my longer runs and focus my runs, the more intense runs in the first half of my cycle instead of the second half of my cycle. And that has really helped with just feeling good on my runs, my energy levels. I will still run the second half of my cycle. She suggested not running at all the second half of my cycle. I do, but I take those runs easy and they're a lot slower. uh, And I typically don't do as long or as intense runs during the second half of my cycle. That's an aside. Tip number seven. I've kind of mentioned this before, but I want to make it its own tip because don't beat yourself up for walking. Okay, running is new or getting back into running is new. If you need to slow down, if you realize you went out too fast and you got to slow that pace down, if you need to stop to walk every three minutes, that's okay. And maybe that's not on your plan. If it's your plan, obviously do that. But if it's not on your plan, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up for walking. Remember, what we're looking for here is consistency and endurance, whatever that might mean for you. It's going as far as you can go or as far as you want to go. When running is new or when you're just getting back into it, the most important thing is that you listen to your body and you take care of your body because this is what is going to make you a long-term runner, whatever long-term means for you. You know, maybe you're like, I just kind of want to try out running this year. Maybe I won't run next year. Maybe I'll try out something new. That's okay. But if you want to run this season and you don't want to injure yourself, you want to be able to consistently run for the next several months, let yourself take it slow. Don't beat yourself up for walking. You are still a runner if you are running, even if you walk. Tip number eight. I can't believe I waited until this long to give you this tip, but get yourself fitted for good running shoes. This doesn't mean your running shoes need to be $200 hokas. I actually... Oh, this is going to be controversial. I don't like them. (laughs) I like lighter weight running shoes. I don't love like the big heel running shoes, but maybe you do. Going to a running store, going somewhere where they have a track where you can do a little jog around, and especially if you can go to a place where they can um, measure your gait and they can, uh, and your arch and all that, they will be able to recommend a good running shoe for you. Do expect to pay anywhere from like maybe 80 to 140 dollars for a decent pair of running shoes if you plan on running more than maybe a couple times a week 
you can get away with something a little bit less expensive. DSW has a really good um, selection of running shoes. So you could get running shoes for like $60 to $80 and they'll last you quite some time if you're not running a lot. But definitely know what you like about running shoes. So do you like shoes that feel a little bit more supportive? Do you like a more minimalist shoe? And know what your arch is. And that's important. The different styles of running shoes typically are typically based on your arch and then your pronation. So whether, and and I'm like not an expert in this at all, but whether your feet sort of tilt inwards when you run or out or you're more neutral. So those are the things that you want to kind of, that's why it's helpful to get fitted for good running shoes and to not just guess. You can trial and error this, but you might end up buying, returning, buying, returning. Definitely if you buy running shoes, even if you get fitted for them, Make sure they have a return policy where even if you go out for a run and you're like, I hate these, I can return them. You can return them. I actually had an experience last year. There's this one pair of running shoes I absolutely love. They're only about $100, which is inexpensive for running shoes for someone who runs as much as I do. And I bought two pairs of them and I got home and I went for one run in them and I realized I'm like what these don't feel good and I bought the wrong size most of the time for a lot of people if you are in between sizes or if you um when you run your foot is going to naturally push forward in in the shoe. And so a lot of people need to go up about half of a size. So I have to go up half a size in my running shoes pretty much across the board. And yes, some running shoes run Uh, Some of them run smaller, some of them run bigger, but just pretty much across the board, I have to go up a a half of a size. And I realized that I bought my normal shoe size and not the up a half size. So I was very grateful when I was able to return them and get new pairs. So get yourself fitted for good running shoes. It will make a difference. It'll help to prevent shin splints. It'll help to prevent um, foot soreness, some of those ugly symptoms that come with uh, learning how to endurance run like, um, you know, you guys know toenails and calluses and all that stuff. I don't want to scare you. If you've got good running shoes, it'll prevent a lot of that. Okay. I've never, I've never not, let's knock on some wood over here. I've never lost any toenails and I've run two marathons. So just saying, get fitted for good running shoes. (laughs) Tip number nine is to work on your running form. Again, not an expert in this, just a seasoned runner, but it is important that you have your shoulders back your back is straight, you're holding your core in. That doesn't mean sucking in your stomach. It means just keeping your core tight, slight, very, very slight forward lean with your upper body. You're not like hunched over. You still want your back straight, but like slight forward lean. You want your pelvis neutral, not tilted forward, okay? And you want your strides to be fairly short, Though I should say you want shorter strides if you're going for endurance. Sprinters take longer strides, but it's your legs are going to fall in a better place if you have shorter strides for endurance. But I would recommend doing some more research into this because, again, I'm not an expert. I am just here to give you some advice. (laughs) So tip number 10. Finally gotten to tip 10. I'm surprised. I'm almost at I'm at 28 minutes already. Wow. This is important and the most important tip I'm going to give you, and that is to do not compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself to your sister, to your friend, whether she is starting out running or she is a marathoner. Every one of us has a different body, a different ability level, and a different goal. 
even if you have the same goals, you have it, they have a different body, they have a different ability, they have a different history with sports and running. Everyone is different. Focus on you and you alone. Remember to set those small goals because those small goals will help you work towards those bigger goals. And just focus on one mile at a time. Focus on you. Focus on running in a way that feels good. You are not going to become a long-term runner if you hate every single run. They might not be easy. They are sometimes going to be uncomfortable, but really making it as enjoyable as possible. And that's a bonus tip I'll give you. I'll give you in just a second. And just taking it one mile at a time, not pushing yourself too hard, starting out too fast, allowing yourself to start small, to give yourself breaks during the run, in between runs, focusing on running when you're most energized. These are all things. This is the time to be selfish. Focus on what feels good to you and you alone. Yeah, you might need to compromise some of these things if you're running with someone else. But when you are running by yourself, and I don't want you to be running with someone else every single time so you can't focus on you. I want you to be running by yourself so you can focus on what feels good for you so you can become a runner for more than just one run, right? So don't compare yourself to others. We're all different. Focus on you and you alone. And my bonus tip, I almost spoiled, <laughs> is to make running fun. I'm going to have an entire episode coming up all about how to make running fun. But this is whatever you need to make running fun, whether it's awesome music, a cool pair of running shoes, or it's running with a friend. Make running fun. Running can be so fun. I can't wait for you to get out there, go for a run, Share with me over on Instagram how this episode has helped you. If this episode has helped you, I would love to hear how you love this series. In the next episode of the series, we're going to talk one of my most asked questions, my favorite running gear. So until then, I will catch you probably over on Instagram or I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.